Zedekiah to break free from Nebuchadnezzar. Instead, he wants Zedekiah and his neighbors to surrender and to submit to Nebuchadnezzar. He wants them to bow their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon. And that's why Jeremiah had to go around town wearing this yoke. I so badly wanted to name this sermon, The Yoke's on You. <laughs> but I didn't. I refrained. I was good. It's not really funny. Because everywhere Jeremiah went, he would get stares. And pointed fingers. You see that here? And tilted heads. And question marks. Uncomfortable. That's what it must have been like to be a faithful prophet in that day. Now, <clears throat> verse 3 might indicate that Jeremiah was actually supposed to make six of these jokes and send five of them away in gift bags. Look at verse 3. After you make it wear this yoke, <coughs> after you make it wear this yoke, then send word to the kings of Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyre, and Sidon, through the envoys who have come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah, give them a message for their masters and say, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, tell this to your masters. With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are on it, and I give it to anyone I please. Now I will hand all your countries over to my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. All nations will serve him and his son and his grandson until the time for his land comes. Then many nations and great kings will subjugate him. If, however, any nation or kingdom will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, or bow his neck under his yoke, I will punish that nation with the sword, famine, and plague, declares the Lord, until I destroy it by his hand. Let's stop there for a second. You follow the word translated there in verse 3, translated send word, could be translated send them. Meaning send each one of those five kings their own personal handmade yoke. Send a yoke to every king considering rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar. Now whether or not Jeremiah was actually supposed to do that, he was supposed to tell all of them to all bend their necks under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar at this time. Why? Was it because Nebuchadnezzar was a good and godly man? No. Was it because Nebuchadnezzar was so wise and compassionate? Also, no. It was just because the Lord is sovereign, and this is his plan for the nations. And he was going to use Nebuchadnezzar for his good and wise purposes. Nebuchadnezzar was, for these purposes, the Lord's servant. He was God's instrument for that moment. That didn't make him good. But the Lord can use any instrument to achieve his sovereign purposes in this world. Do you believe that? 
us to live more peaceful lives. Do you ever read the news and go, boy, the Lord just doesn't have anything to work with here. He says, this is what I'm working with. And I'm achieving my purposes. We need to be reminded of this on a regular basis. The Lord was going to use Babylon for a time. For three generations. Nebuchadnezzar, and then two more kings to come after him. The nations were supposed to accept that. And if they didn't, they would be destroyed. So we get to verse 9. And we begin to hear the main thrust of these two chapters. A phrase that's going to be repeated over and over again. More than he talks about the yoke, he says this, verse 9. So, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your interpreters of dreams, your mediums, or your sorcerers who tell you, you will not serve the king of Babylon. After I got over titling the sermon, The Yoke's on You, I almost titled the sermon, Do Not Listen. <laughs> That might even be a better sermon title than under the yoke. Do not listen. Do you remember how much he said listen last chapter? Listen. Tune in to the Lord. Trust in Him. Listen to Him. Well, this is the flip side of this. Do not listen to those who are lying to you. Or, let me, let me put it this way. Do not listen to those who only tell you what you want to hear. That's the big idea of these two chapters. And Jeremiah's been banging this drum for three decades now. Do not listen to the people who only tell you what you want to hear. Do not listen to the people who only tell you what you want to hear. In verse 9, it was all those soothsayers of the four nations. The diviners, the mediums, the spiritists, the, the horoscope people, the, the, the sorcerers. We could add the bad counselors, the positivity experts, the politicians, the pundits, the smiling televangelists, the quack doctors, the bad friends, anyone who tells you what just what you want to hear and nothing else. Here's the message. You will not serve the king of Babylon. Well, Jeremiah was sent with a yoke around his neck to say, that is a lie. Look at verse 10. They prophesy lies to you that will only serve to remove you far from your lands. I will banish you, and you will perish. But if any nation will bow its neck under the yoke, there's our sermon title, under the yoke of the king of Babylon, and serve him, I will let that nation remain in its own land to till it and to live there, declares the Lord. He says, you don't have to be uprooted. You don't have to be removed. You could remain. 
if you submit to the yoke of the king of Babylon. Most of the time, submission is not fun. We saw that a year ago as we were reading in 1 Peter about how we should live as foreigners and exiles in our world today. At times, we need to submit ourselves to others, often in uncomfortable ways. To the governing authorities, for example. Even the ones we didn't vote for. Man, who wants to be told that? Submission is not popular. It doesn't get the likes and the shares. Especially from Americans. We like it when people tell us that we can do whatever we want to do. Freedom! But do not listen to the people who only tell you what you want to hear. Maybe this message was just for the other nations, right? Maybe this surrender and submission was just for Edom and Moab and Ammon and Tyre and Sidon, but, but not Judah. Look at verse 12. I gave the same message to Zedekiah, king of Judah. I said, bow your neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Serve him and his people, and you will live. Why will you and your people die by the sword, famine, and plague with which the Lord has threatened any nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? No, it's for you too. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who say to you, you will not serve the king of Babylon, for they are prophesying lies to you. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. They are prophesying lies in my name. Therefore, I will banish you and you will perish, both you and the prophets who prophesy to you. Now, I don't know if Jeremiah got to deliver this message in person to King Zedekiah, but I imagine him standing there in the throne room, actually offering to Zedekiah to join him in the yoke. The other side of the yoke, right? He comes in, he's got one yoke around his neck, and he says, Hey, Zed, there's an open side to this yoke. Go ahead and put your neck in there. And together we'll bow to Nebuchadnezzar. We need to put ourselves under the control of Nebuchadnezzar. Uncomfortable. That must have felt treasonous to the people of Judah. It must have felt pro-Babylon instead of pro-Judah. Even though it was exactly what Judah needed to hear and do. It was what they needed to hear, but it was not what they wanted to hear. What they wanted so desperately to hear was that their ordeal would soon be over. And everything was going to go back to the way it was. Look at verse 16. Then I said to the priests and all these people, this is what the Lord says. Do not listen to the prophets who say, very soon now, the articles from the Lord's house will be brought back to Babylon. They're prophesying lies to you. Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and you will live. Why should this city become a ruin? 
If they are prophets and have the word of the Lord, let them plead with the Lord away that the furnishings remaining in the house of the Lord and in the palace of the king of Judah and in Jerusalem not be taken to Babylon. For this is what the Lord Almighty says about the pillars, the sea, the movable stands, and the other furnishings that are left in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did not take away when he carried Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, along with all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, by the way, I must have got that wrong. Jehoiachin would be nephew of Zedekiah. But anyway. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says about the things that are left in the house of the Lord and in the palace of the kings of Judah and in Jerusalem. They will be taken to Babylon. And there they will remain until the day I come for them, declares the Lord. Then I will bring them back and restore them to this place. Now there's a lot of words there. I know it's a lot of words. You see the basic picture though? Did you notice the good news at the end? It's kind of heavy. Everything's going to be destroyed. All the things are going to be taken away. But in the very last verse, there's good news. There's restoration. There is replanting what was uprooted and what's going to be uprooted. Even many of the articles from the temple will return to the land. And that happened, by the way. The book of Ezra recounts the return of more than 5,400 articles for the rebuilt temple. There's hope there. But it comes in God's way and in God's timing. And in God's timing, that comes after they go under the yoke. First they get carted off. Then they get restored. Do not listen to anyone who tells you that you can just skip over the hard parts. Do not listen to the people who only tell you what you want to hear. Like, for example, the prophet Hananiah. Do you know this guy? Chapter 28. Like the prophet Uriah that we learned about last week, this is the only place that the prophet Hananiah shows up in the whole Bible. Hananiah seems like a pretty nice guy. But he's just the kind of person that Jeremiah has been warning everybody about. All of them. And here the two of them have a confrontation. It's the same year, 593, 594 B.C., Zedekiah is the king. Look at verse 1. In the fifth month of that same year, the fourth year, early in the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azur, who was from Gibeon, said to me, Jeremiah, in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the other exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Oh, that gets your blood going? Doesn't that sound good? Yes! A prophet speaking with confidence. 
And what an encouraging word he has. He sounds just like Jeremiah, except I like what he says. Hananiah says, two years, and this whole thing is over. Just two years, not the 70 years stuff that Jeremiah's been saying. According to Jeremiah, we've got like 55 more years to go until this thing is over. Maybe more. Hananiah says, this generation, not two more generations from now, and King Jehoiachin will come home? Yes! Jeremiah said that he was going to die in exile. This sounds so much better. And we keep the temple. We keep Jerusalem. We don't have any more exile. The Lord is going to break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Break the yoke. Hashtag all over social media. Break the yoke. Break the yoke. What do you say if you're Jeremiah? At this moment. You just heard Hananiah contradict everything you've been saying for 30 some years. In the name of the Lord. But what he says. Is what you would rather have. What do you say? Here's what Jeremiah says. Verse 5. That the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priest and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. I wish that were true. I wish that were the plan. Amen. But that is not the plan. And we all know it. Verse 7. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly said by the Lord only if this prediction comes true. And I don't think that's what's going to happen here. See, Jeremiah would love for Hananiah to be right. He's cried rivers of tears over what he knows is going to happen in just about seven years' time. He's going to cry more rivers of tears and probably write a whole book called Lamentations over what he knows is going to happen. But he would love for Hananiah to be right. Sure. He knows that he isn't right. But he would love it if his people could be spared. Hananiah doesn't take no for an answer. He decides it's time for a little prophetic symbolism of his own. Look at verse 10. Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it. And he said before all the people, this is what the Lord says, in the same way I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon off the neck of all the nations within two years. At this the prophet Jeremiah went on his way. What a dramatic moment. I can hardly believe Jeremiah was still wearing the yoke. How, how long did he have to wear that? Maybe months. Every time he went out, 
And Hananiah comes up to him and dramatically grabs it off his neck. Well, what was that like? Wrestling it off. Jeremiah lets it. And then he breaks it. How do you do that? He saw it in two. Did he smack, you know, smash it on the ground? How did he break this thing? And then, and then he proclaims over it that the Lord would break the king of the yoke of the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar will be defeated, and what a day that'll be! Except it's not a day that will be. Not in two years. Hananiah was all wrong. He was all just wishful thinking. It's, po it's possible that he believed it. <coughs> that he got this idea into his head and thought it was from the Lord. He might have been really well meaning But he was only telling them what they wanted to hear. Do not listen to the people who only tell you what you want to hear. Several times in the last few months I've asked you the application question, what lies do you want to believe? Because the lies that you don't want to believe, they're easy to shrug off, right? Somebody throws a lie at you, you don't care about it, it doesn't fit what you want. It's easy to say, lie, 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 I don't believe that lie, I don't believe that lie, I don't believe that lie. It's the lies we want to believe that are the dangerous ones. And I've said, as we ask that application question, don't identify the lies of the people around you what they're tempted to believe, those are easier to see. It's easy for me to see other people's lies. Harder for me to see, and even harder for me to say out loud, the ones I am tempted to believe. Which lies are you tempted to believe? They're the lies that make your life easier? Or more pleasurable? Or soothe your worries? Or confirm your prior assumptions? One of the big problems with social media is that when we like or share something, the social media algorithms out there give us more of the same. Did you ever notice that? I see more of that, more of that, more of that, more of that. Because the companies know this is what you want. Even if it's stuff that makes you mad, you're engaging with it. So they send you more of what makes you mad. And so we hear more and more of what we're after what we already think and feel and believe. Including how evil and bad those other people are out there who think differently than we do. No need to listen to them or treat them with respect as fellow bearers of the image of God. It's easier than ever to surround ourselves with yes men who tell us what our itching ears want to hear. What do you want to hear that isn't necessarily true? Do not listen to the people who only tell you what you want to hear. And flip side, listen to what the Lord says. For it is surely true. Did, did you see how Jeremiah just kind of walked away in verse 11? Kind of strange, right? I, I, I thought they were always going to come to blows. But Jeremiah just walks it off. Hananiah might have thought that he had just won the great Israeli prophet off. Against Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah did not have anything to say. I showed him. And everybody was applauding Hananiah. Everybody was so glad there was a new prophet in town. Finally, one with a good message. Positive, encouraging Hananiah. Tune in. But Jeremiah walked off because he had said everything he needed to say. And the Lord had not given him anything else to say at that time. But later he did. Look at verse 12. Shortly after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go and tell Hananiah, this is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but in its place you will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they will serve him. I will even give him control over the wild animals. I hope that Jeremiah didn't have to wear an iron yoke after this. But the point was clear. What the Lord said would happen is what's going to happen. Doesn't matter what Hananiah thought, or did, or said. The word of the Lord will come true, including all the hard parts that we'd all just rather skip. It will happen, not because Jeremiah said it, but because Yahweh did. And Hananiah will learn that lesson the hard way. Verse 15 to the end. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Ooh, that had hurt. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year, you are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord by preaching rebellion against Babylon. In the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah, the prophet, died. In the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord said that all false prophets in Israel should be put to death. Some false prophets tried to lure them away to idols and foreign other gods. But other false prophets might have been nice guys who prophesied in the name of the Lord and wanted good things for God's people. But they only prophesied good things that the people wanted to hear, and not the hard things that the people needed to hear. The hard things that the Lord himself said, which are surely true. Do you know what the Lord has said? You can only listen to it, and believe it, and trust in it, if you know it. You know the Bible that is, not the Bible that you want it to be? <laughs> it's a very somber ending, isn't it? To chapter 28. When the Lord wins, Jeremiah wins. The truth wins. That's not a happy thing. Hananiah dies because he persuaded the nation to trust in lies. Instead of trying to persuade the nation to trust in the Lord's truth. I must have been 
and that I am sorely tempted at times to only preach the things you all want to hear. Just yesterday, as I was writing this message, I tried to come up with a list of things you might not want to hear and then lay them all out for you. Sounds like fun, huh? I chickened out. I heard the negative feedback in my mind and I pulled back. I am tempted to become a Hananiah. And this is a cautionary tale for me. I want instead, and it's one of the reasons why I'm preaching from Jeremiah, to become like a Jeremiah. And tell it like it is and like it will be, often with tears. And even more than speaking it, I want to listen to what the Lord says because it will surely be true. His word is not wooden. It is iron. And so even if it makes us uncomfortable, we should listen in because that's where the truth is and that's where the life is. The truth of the gospel starts with the bad news that we are sinners deserving of judgment. The soul who sins will die. We have to hear that. We need to listen to that. We need to believe it to get to the good news. The good news is that God so loved this exceedingly sinful world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And those who put themselves in His hands under His authority will find life and find rest. Jesus Christ invites us to repent and trust and follow Him, which will mean hard times. Following Jesus is hard. Repenting is uncomfortable. Submitting is uncomfortable. Following Jesus is uncomfortable. And if we are uncomfortable at times, maybe we are following Jesus. But that's where the hope actually is. And that's where the rest actually lies. On the other side of the painful is the peaceful. Because Jesus Christ said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to him. Let's pray together.